Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Lauren Salata. She's the chief marketing officer at Rico North America and was appointed to that role in June of 2021. She brings more than 20 years of experience to the role as a marketing professional and executive leader. She's led a lot of large global technology organizations through brand and digital marketing transformations, all with a focus on the customer experience, increasing engagement, and significant sustainable growth. Lauren joined Rico from Panasonic Corporation, which is where we last spoke to her on episode 206. She served as the chief marketing officer there in a unique role leading North America marketing while also involved in global strategy in Japan. Lauren is also no stranger to awards. In 2020, she was awarded Marketing Excellence Award from ITSMA for transforming the brand. In 2018, she was a finalist for ANA's B2B Marketer of the Year. She spent time at Xerox and Verizon Business, currently is on the board of trustees for the Consumer Technology Association. On the show today, we talk about her transformation that she's undertaking at Rico and how she's leading that both in terms of people, culture, how she thinks about the chief marketing officer and the change that they need to drive today. We talk about how it translates into marketing and their new campaign TMI or they love TMI, too much information campaign and much more. 
So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lauren Salata. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. Great to be here again. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Second time guest. I, lo- I love when guests come back on. Well, we're gonna we're gonna learn about where you are now, but before we get there, I hear that you've recently been moonlighting as a rock band roadie and manager. <laughs> I have to that, that is a first on the show. So tell me tell me more about that. And webmaster. Um, definitely. <laughs> so how that came about, my son, my teenage son, is a musician and he is uh, in a professional cover band at the moment uh, with uh, three other teenagers. And the last year we've spent uh, all the parents on a great adventure, getting them supported and on the road. And we have spent the larger part of every weekend and the summer either playing locally in the Philadelphia, New Jersey region or uh, on tour in Nashville, places like Nashville last summer, including playing at Kid Rock's Honky Tonk and some other cool places. And it's been really great to be a part of that and use my my marketing skills for good, building (laughs) websites and doing uh, public relations. So lots of fun. I love it. What's the what's the band name, if you don't mind? The band name is Sunrise Cries. Uh, um, great teenage name band. <laughs> but they are a classic rock and pop punk band. And they are on all the socials, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and their sunriseprizemusic.com. So check them awesome. out. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. definitely link to them. And maybe we can get some more listeners for you guys as yeah. well. That's yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think the last time we talked, the last time you were on, it was a number of years ago when you were at Panasonic. What was your path to now where you are as Chief Marketing Officer at Rico? It, it's been a really fun and interesting one. Rico came knocking and I felt it was a great opportunity to leverage my experience both at Panasonic, but also at a prior role when I was at Affiliated Computer Services which was subsequently acquired by Xerox. And it was a a tier two systems integrator and business process services company. And I really enjoyed the challenge of bringing a traditional enterprise and SMB hardware and software company into its next chapter as a digital services company. So most of the work and focus in the last two, about two and a half years since I've been here has been around our customer-centric business strategy and transforming the organization, the portfolio, and our go-to-market so that we can capture and create value for our roughly 14,000 customers in North America. I love it. I love it. But I, oddly, when you mentioned ACS, or I knew it as, I think, ACS, the affiliated mm-hmm. computer systems, and then Xerox and Rico, to be honest, had flashbacks. I don't, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but my first job, real corporate job out, out of undergrad was working for Bell and Howell, which they make mail processing equipment. So inserters, folders, create the envelope, so to speak, that many of our bills still go out into in the world today that aren't aren't converted to e-bill. And I remember having to integrate with uh, Xerox printers (laughs) and Ose printers, if they're still around, these big roll machines um, as, as that stuff was coming off. And then our equipment would cut it, fold it, and put it in an envelope. 
Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's interesting and great segue because I, you know, I think people maybe sometimes think printing. Wow. I know. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) But what we're doing and the journey that Rico is on, it's actually a great tee up what you just said, because what we're focused on is a natural evolution of that heritage portfolio in print and office equipment. Mm-hmm. which, as we all know, is is very dependent on physical location. And moving from that to the future of work, which contemplates working from anywhere. So a large part of our portfolio is really a set of enabling technologies for businesses of all sizes to enable mm-hmm. a remote workforce, mm-hmm. no matter what the ratio of hybrid that is being used in any particular organization. And one of the sort of, I guess, well-kept secrets and one that we're working on to tell, tell, you know, tell everyone is that we have acquired and we also partner to leverage low-code platforms that are infused with AI and machine learning that enable us to take, to build automation into our customers' business process, which of course then in turn drives their transformation. So we're leading in digital business process services that leverage software data and labor to enable things like inbound and outbound communication solutions So whether it's a a patient information management uh, turnkey solution or a retail employee onboarding solution for some of the big retailers or even a claims processing solution, there's still a lot of paper and highly regulated industries. And there's also a lot of digital data, uh, largely unstructured. So what Rico does and does really well is come in and makes uh, sense of all of that with end-to-end solutions. I love that. I love that. And it is, I mean, it is the information sharing and communications, if you will, in the digital world that we live today uh, exactly. and manage, managing the flow of those communications, which is no simple feat, to be honest. Yeah. And that's really what's at the core of our, our We Love TMI campaign, enabling <laughs> these key vertical industries that work with a lot, lots of paper and data, insurance, healthcare, retail, manufacturing. So no matter what form it takes, we're able to ingest it, protect it, automate it, connect it, protect it, and have that information flow through the company, enabling employees to use it no matter where they sit, and also to derive you know, more actionable insights from their, from their information for the business. So awesome. awesome. Yeah. I love, I love what you guys are doing. It's pretty interesting. I know one of the topics we talked about when we last caught up was this notion that the CMO title and you said to me, you said, I think it needs to stand for change management officer. And so I would love for you to share that like nugget of insight and, and what, you, what you mean by that. Sure. Um, you know, as you, as you know, probably all too well, there's been any number of titles in, um, oh, invoked yes. and, and uh, put it actioned uh, in the last probably five or eight years uh, that sort of equate to chief marketing or some derivative of it, either putting it, taking it apart or putting it back together. Uh, One of the, um, you know, another uh, management consultant uh, published this idea a few years ago about how the CMO role has evolved and, you know, sort of says it's undergone this like head spinning transformation over the last decade, which I can attest to having been a CMO for almost eight years. But really, it's it's really moved away from all things creative and brand, which is still, you know, I will say extremely important. And creativity is, is something that I think is still a real big differentiator. But really, because of the rate and pace of change, CMOs, I think, have landed at this 
sort of center of gravity for change for organizations, whether it's customer experience, mm-hmm. um, customer data, count growth, and then also employee experience. And I, and, I've, and I, just as an example, have partnered very closely with our CHRO, who is fantastic, and we've done some, some really great work together with our teams. So in every area of the business, I, I really think it, and especially here at Rico, my team and I have brought strategy and modernization and data-driven approaches to build new experiences, whether it's for our customers or our employees. And so, you know, we've seen some really interesting results, you know, in CSET scores rising and strategic, you know, another example is strategically aligning our organization around a single innovation and commercialization process where we've been able to launch what I think last year was about almost 30 new solutions into the market. So really just leading that change internally and always leading with the customer in mind and a digital first mindset, of course. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, the CMO and all the ones that I talk to, I mean, you, the role itself is a connector, a gap filler in some cases. It really becomes, it seems, the hub of connection and pulling the various components together, whatever you're trying to drive, to your point, like whether it's digital transformation or employee engagement, marketing is usually having some role at that table pretty interesting that that role is so interconnected these days. Right. And I, you know, everything for me anyway, I think we, I've moved sort of the mindset away from uh, what it's not a customer campaign or a customer outreach. I I try to think of everything as what is the experience of the customer on on Mm -hmm. every, on everything that we do, big or small. And then that brings us immediately to how easy is it for our employees to do their job? What tools do they have? What kind of experience do they have in the company? And, you know, that kind of rolls right into talent development and all of those things. Well, to drive change, people and culture are at the center of that change, I'm sure. How do you think about driving both the behaviors and the culture that you're trying to achieve? We, that's a, it's such a great and relevant question. We have an initiative, uh, part of our business strategy uh, a couple of years ago when I first started, um, led by our CEO, Carson Brun, to really focus around four key themes. So in addition to organizational agility, developing relevant value props and customer centricity, one of the four key transformation themes is for us, culture of excellence. And so it really has been an emphasis of his and uh, his leadership team, which I'm a part of, And it identifies seven key attributes that are critical to our transformation. And the attributes are described as really the lifeblood of this aspirational mindset needed for the growth and in order to build a sustainable company. So understanding this, embodying it, modeling it, communicating it, and identifying with employees was really a big key to our success. Um, And of course, it's ongoing work but has really been driving us to be more customer centric. And so we've done things like brought in quarterly guest speakers like Apollo Ono to talk about motivation and focus. We've had a training for our 643 managers of people on these principles of culture of excellence and how that aims to personalize each employee's journey. Right. And we see, you know, there's been a lot of surround with that, with uh, content and programming. But really what what we've seen is that's driving our engagement 
a year-over-year increase of 16% with employee confidence is just one example. So we're really, the entire executive team is very focused on this and uh, showing up to demonstrate it every day so that we build that culture. That's amazing. I mean, and to see the results too, the increase in employee confidence. I mean, I'm an old school believer that like, if you drive what you're trying to do through the employee, your customers are going to benefit. Like if employees are engaged, happy, confident, that translates to customers being in the same mindset, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would, I would totally agree with. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, how does, how do multiple generations of talent fit into this driving and, and impacting culture? We're not all alike. <laughs> Some of us, I'll speak for myself, are a little <laughs> older. But how, how, does, how do you think about bringing in all the different generations today? Sure. For me personally, I'm a huge advocate and a champion for inclusion. And so for me personally, I bring that mindset to work all the time. But, but broadly, it's really about personalizing the employee experience and to meet, them, meet employees where they are. So what programmatically underpins that is learning and development which our company has focused on and invested in across the organization. So we've placed a greater emphasis on nurturing and developing our people, creating interesting and purposeful work, building an environment with career flexibility. And all of these things taken together, I think, are, are tools in the toolkit, programs in the organization that allow managers to really address the differences in generations, whether it's work style, use of technology, preferences for face-to-face or remote, things like that. And I think the proof point for me that this is working is that we've, we've also recently been certified as a great place to work, which I'm super, super proud of. And that's some of the work I, I did with, with our, our CHRO and her team. And as you may know, is an employee-driven survey process. So lots to be proud of there. Yeah. Yeah, proof's in the pudding when they vote, <laughs> if you will. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, uh, well, getting back to like the marketing side of things and, and driving the business, like you've, you've launched a vertical marketing strategy coupled with account-based marketing. Why those two things? Like, and, and how's it going implementing? Right. So our business strategy is centered around a vertical industry right to play. And what I mean by that is we have a large percentage of our customers already in these verticals at a top, what we, what we would call a top X level. So once that business strategy was set, it really kind of 
set the stage for using account-based marketing and account-based engagement as a natural methodology to employ for strategic account growth. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a really strong key account structure that sales is aligned to, and it makes it very easy for us to have built and launched a program around the ITSMA, which is the IT Services Marketing Association methodology and growth framework. And as part of the work, we've done some recruiting of uh, hiring industry marketers to help lead the build out. So it's really starting to make a huge impact in all of the work that we've done, uh, building reputation and starting to go more broadly into these accounts that we have, into different personas. We're in the process of building out the next phase and we've, we've seen a lot of really good traction in the first year. Love it. I love it. Do you have to make ABM as a concept, it sometimes can be hard to execute. Conceptually makes perfect sense, but I'm curious if there were like technology or programmatic things that you had to make sure were in place to help facilitate it. Absolutely. So really you look at that ABM methodology, there's uh, one-to-one, one-to-few and one-to-many. We are not out of the gate resourced to do a one-to-one type of program. So we really looked at one-to-few based on the play and plays that we've developed inside a particular industry vertical. And that enabled us to crawl, walk, run and get some lift, some lift off with some of the top X accounts in each of those industries. And then in the second year, we started to apply a one-to-many through the use of demand base. And so that is also starting to complement where we have non-top X customers that are still in the same industry vertical and we're able to scale the messaging and the execution to a broader base of accounts as well as lookalike accounts. So Mm. it's been a two-year journey, you know, getting people in the door, getting them trained and certified on ABM, and then putting in place the partnership with sales, one to few, and then scaling digitally to one to many with the tools. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you have so many things going on, Uh, driving change, uh, enforcing and reinforcing and elevating the culture. The marketing strategy we just talked about, like, I want to talk about your campaign you mentioned a minute ago and how that came to life. Too much information or TMI, I guess, for short. I love the name. So tell me more about about it. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of really well-researched ideas about where we have a, a right to play in the market, you know, based on our, our, our uh, expertise and, and history. And uh, when we boiled it all down, this distilled it into kind of a single thought or or positioning statement. It really started to orient very clearly around this idea of information. And in some of the creative back and forth, you know, the agency that we worked with came forward with a few concepts, but one that they brought forward was this idea as, you know, turning what is maybe known as an acronym that it's not necessarily positive and turning it on its head and saying, well, actually there is no such thing as too much information. (laughs) <laughs> and we actually love TMI because that's the business that we're in. And um, it's really been a game changer. It, it's it's eye-catching. It makes you, the thumb scrolling, it makes you stop. Awareness is up 35 plus uh, points. And it's really a solid business narrative that marries the heritage with the aspirational future. Um, and the creative strategy has really helped us to break through on the targeted demographics, which are millennial buyers and influencers and Gen Z talent. 
So um, we're, we're really excited. You know, we're coming up on one year in market. We're learning. This is a, a first for Rico having really a brand awareness campaign. We're making adjustments and testing and learning. Uh, and we're back in planning mode for the next phase. But it's been really well received. It has won a number of awards for the strategy and the execution. And I'm super proud of the team. But really, it's making an impact. And we're having, we're actually having a little fun with it too. <laughs> it, it, it definitely seems fun. That's for sure. And I mean, amazing results. I mean, the 35 point increase in awareness. I mean, that's, that's huge. And especially as you're trying to drive so much transformation in terms of what you do and drive that into the marketplace. I mean, you have to have people aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we've, we've actually had uh, also a, a derivative employer brand and recruitment marketing campaign that's based uh, from it as well. And we've seen almost 100% acceptance rate on offers of employment, you know, hovering just below 100%. Our employee engagement scores have increased a full point, uh, almost a full point on an exponential scale last year to the, uh, the prior year to last year. And we've seen steady improvement in all kinds of areas of, of teamwork and growth tied to our culture of excellence platform. So it's really, it, it's working. And, you know, the, the work is working for us um, and, and doing what, you know, we had hoped it would do. So. Well, I, I really like seeing when you can take a great idea that kind of unifies what you're trying to do in the marketplace and you can extend that to the talent or employer brand side because it is one plus one equals much more than three. <laughs> Indeed. Know? Yes. Yes. And kudos. I mean, that the increase in acceptance rate, all the all the other stats that you're rattling off. I mean, that's that's a huge success. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Great team effort. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things you know, we like to go behind the scenes and behind the microphone and get to know people a little, a little bit better. And I'll ask people go back and to episode 206, where we talked about kind of your influential mentors and advice you got as a as a younger person to take more risk and be more open to possibility. So I'll encourage, you know, listeners go back and listen to that episode, especially uh, the answer to that, those questions. Um, it was a great conversation. This time around though, I want to ask you, what topic do you think marketers need to be learning more about today? Or could be something you're trying to learn more about yourself? Well, I, I would say without a doubt, AI, it's, it's just been a tsunami uh, all of a sudden since I guess about a year ago. And um, it's, it's just pervasive, you know, how it works, how to leverage it, how to increase or how it is increasing in, uh, the, and expanding in the tools that we already use in our tech stack, right? And a lot of our, our vendors are adding it natively into their tools, uh, which effectively changes process and how people spend their time and building really the, de the marketing department of the future. So I think you know, I've been trying to learn as much as possible, reading a lot, talking to a lot of people. We've chartered internally here within marketing, led by a, a guy on my team who's uh, just a, a real smart, smart cookie, really kind of rounding up, you know, different potential use cases for us within the department that, that leverage external data, not company data. We're not ready for that at this time. But really figuring out, you know, what is the best way to dip our feet in and uh, make sure that, that we're using it in the best, most optimal way. Um, and I think that would be honestly the thing that has occupied a lot of my time recently. <laughs> <laughs> so 
sounds like it sounds like it it sounds like it i mean I, as i talk to other marketers like yourself i mean one thing that keeps kind of coming through one ai for sure everyone's talking about it but what you kind of described which is this notion of like use case selection is very mm-hmm. key i think to where you leverage it and how to you know this is a new new technology and we in some cases don't know how ex- how it works exactly, which sounds crazy. But I think making sure you're judicious and where you can apply it and how you can get the best bang for the buck, it makes a lot of sense to focus on the use cases. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, it's uh, exciting. Uh, we've had the opportunity to work with the Innovation Institute at Wharton to uh, kind of have an outside-in perspective on, on some of these topics. So we're excited to, you know, we're just in the midst of some of those discovery and, and planning motions. Love it. Well, um, I guess another question for you, are there any trends or subcultures that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? We honestly, I think the future of work is just huge. I mean, it's just been a debate for a number of years. And I think there's, you know, when you look at the data, you know, there's a struggle for, for talent and skilled workers school children today will work in jobs that we haven't even thought of in 15 years. You know, uh, globally, a billion people need to be reskilled because of technology's impact. And, you know, half the global workforce will need in some way to work, have some kind of hybrid arrangement. So to me, that's, I don't know if it's officially a trend or a mega, a mega trend, but it is is certainly something as a provider in digital workplace that we're hyper-focused on. And what it means, you know, helping our ourselves have building a strategy for ourselves and that, that our portfolio is in place to help increase the communication and collaboration seamlessly uh, for ourselves and for our customers. I don't think that's been uh, 100% settled. And I think the definition of remote work is really unique to an organization. And so uh, I think that's something that we need to keep watching. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And who knew that it would take such a devastating pandemic to change the way we work? <laughs> but I, I think there's a lot of goodness that's come out of it, despite the pain that we all went through as a society. But I mean, I'm I'm much happier at work these days than I used to be. <laughs> yeah. um, it just feels like it's a little easier. Now we're still working through the growth pains. You know, certain people <laughs> like to do it certain ways, others like to do it a different way. So we just got to figure that out. But, uh, but uh, it, it's definitely um, changed and it yeah. accelerated that pace of change. It's like the mass customization of work styles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a great way to put it. That is a very great way to put it. Um, yeah. And that it. goes back to your generation question, right? Yeah, um, it, does. it really, you see, you see some data that breaks on, on demographic lines. It's very interesting. Yeah, so, but I think the net is that, you know, it, where you do have some version of hybrid, it's the flexibility that most people, you know, appreciate having in their life. So, mm-hmm. no, yeah, we can think those gosh darn kids, uh, <laughs> 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 said like a boomer, I guess, uh, yeah. I'm not quite that old, but <laughs> I feel it that someday. Well, last question for you. What do you think okay. is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? Oh, without a doubt, not evolving or staying competitive, whether it's to the individual and their skills and their knowledge of the business and their knowledge of strategy and what's happening in the market, which gets disrupted constantly. I mean, the rate and pace of change is unlike anything we've seen in the history of the world. And I think 
know, it's really important as a marketer to understand the levers of business, the financials of business, strategy, you know, leveling up your knowledge constantly and really evolving with technology because technology is such an intrinsically uh, tied to marketing and how marketing and strategy gets done. So I would say those are the sort of double-edged sword, both an opportunity and a threat. So love it. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's such a, it's a, such a pleasure to have a conversation with you. So thank you. Oh, likewise, Alan. Thanks for having me again. Great to talk to you. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 